Hey, how you doing? Welcome to Saturday Night School. This is one of those days where I just have a giant chip on my shoulder. I thought it was a small chip. It turns out it's a big chip. And as I've said before, it's not that I have a chip on my shoulder. It's that I'm a chip on a much larger shoulder. I'm the chip. Remember that. Now, it's one of those days where I took Batty for a walk at the college. And I found myself like viewing everybody with contempt Not everybody, but I just kind of saw people, and I'm just... There's no reason for it either. There's no specific reason why I have such a chip today, why I am such a chip. But I walked by this... There was this big group of, like, young college girls, and they were taking up the entire path. Like, one of those things where even if I had wanted to, I couldn't get out of their way. Like, one of them or multiple of them would have to get out of my way. They were like horizontally taking up the entire path. And there was a huge, there were like nine of them. And I kind of like lifted my chin up and I was like waiting for one of them to move. And I kind of heard them talking about a sweater. Like they were like, ooh, a sweater, a sweater. And then I realized that they were talking about Batty's jacket. And they were like, oh, it's a jacket. And so they were being really sweet. And, you know, if there's one way to get to my heart... It's to compliment my dog, especially my dog's clothing. So I felt terrible instantly because they did get out of my way. They did get out of my way. They did get out of my way, if you need to hear that a third time. And they complimented my dad, my dad, my dog. (laughs) They complimented my dog's jacket. So like I, I felt just that was the moment of my day where I was just like, oh, it's I have a problem today. I am the person today with the problem because I was all ready to like, what was I going to do? Like, you know, because I have done that thing. Like I'm, I'm insane enough that where if there are people taking up the entire sidewalk, like if there's two guys walking on a sidewalk toward me and they don't get out of my way, I have a hundred percent just gone right in between the middle of them and like bump shoulders with them which is insane. Like I'm a non-confrontational person and I can't believe I've done that because that is so aggressive on my part, but it's actually aggressive on their part. It's actually their fault because if you're with another person and you're taking up the entire sidewalk horizontally, you deserve confrontation. But it's amazing that I've done that. I mean, like twice. That's happened to me twice where I've like actually gone in between two guys who are walking. I've never done that to a woman, but I've gone in the middle. One time it was a group of guys who was actually stand they were standing around in a circle talking and they were completely blocking my path as I was coming down a stairway. And they were guys in a band or something. They were I was at a show and I ended up leaving the show before it happened, but they were just blocking this path completely and they easily could have seen me walking up. And so I just walked right in the middle of their circle and bumped shoulders with them. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky it didn't provoke a fight, but that's the nice thing about dealing with artists is very rarely they posture at at most they posture. But, uh, anyway, you can just tell I have a chip. You can, everything I'm saying is channeled through the chip channeled through the chip mouth, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that to these girls. You know, if worse came to worst, I would have stepped out of the way. But it's just one of those things where sometimes people are just not conscious of how much space they're taking up. But then when I realized that they were just like 
complimenting my dog and all that. I was just like, man, I, I really do have a problem today. I'm the one who's out of control. Because I've been thinking about people I know, too. I've been thinking about people, and I'm just like, oh, that person did this or didn't do this. So it's, it's you know, it's coming out in every possible way that it could come out. And it kind of feels good, but it's not good. Because I don't want to think that way about people I know. And then, too, like, you know, I'm new to Discogs, okay? If I talk about eBay and Discogs lately... It's because some of this is relatively new to me. I'm not new to EB. I'm not new to EB, but I'm new to Discogs for sure. And in the last week and a half, this is the first time I've ever sold anything on there in my entire life. I've apparently had an account since 2005, and I've bought 11 things since 2005. But I'm obviously not a Discogs user, which is funny because it's like some of the things I'm involved in Virtually everybody I know through the things I'm involved in uses that thing all day, every day. It it blows my mind how creepy people on there are. They're keeping tabs on everything. I've used it as an occasional point of reference. Aside from the 11 times that I've made purchases on there since 2005, I'll occasionally, like, like everybody... You know, it's a, it's a discog. It's the best place to go, as the name implies, to learn about a band's discography as a point of reference. But it amazes me how many people are on there constantly. Which good for them. Like, I mean, that's cool. It's we're all interested in music. That's cool. But it, there, I know that people are observing a lot on there. Is why I say it's creepy. It's not that anybody in particular is creepy. I'm just well aware of the fact that people are observing what is being bought and sold. They're observing what is being edited, what is being added. There's a lot of eyes. There's, there's a lot of hot little eyes on everything going on there. And the last week and a half has been eye-opening for me in that regard. I think one of the reasons I have a chip on my shoulder today, too, is just dealing with people on there. Like, I've had a bunch of great transactions. I've made a bunch of sales that have been really helpful to me lately. And, you know, most of those people, all of them, have been great. But there's a couple people, like, you you start to learn why this shit... You start to, le- you just, you start to learn about how people operate, because it's like, there have been people who have ordered things from me, and they just sit there. They don't pay. Because that, that was an issue with the old-timey, like, you, you, you post a list somewhere of things you're selling, and you say, like, email me to confirm... I'll email you my info. You know, at a certain point in time, it would have been to send a money order to me. But then when PayPal came about and got bigger, it was, you know, you would send them your PayPal and then you would wait for them to pay you. It was this very involved process and people would flake out all the time because it involved them emailing you with what they want, you confirming it, then them finishing the the process. So it's like it, it took three emails minimum just to sell somebody something. But with Discogs, it's nice because somebody can just order something and pay immediately. But I'm finding that not everybody does. And it's irritating me. It's one thing if it's a day or two. It's one thing if somebody orders something and they pay the next day or even two days. But I'm finding like like there's a guy right now who it's like he 
ordered a couple things and, you know, it's been over a week now and he said he had to sort a couple things out, but it's just like, I'm going to be a little patient, but it's like when somebody does that, they take the item off the marketplace so somebody else can't buy it. So they're basically sitting on this thing they haven't paid for. It's like asking somebody to reserve something and then not paying for it, which happens at record stores all the time. When my friend worked at a record store, he was saying like the homeless people would come in and ask them to, they would like reserve Tupac CDs. There was a guy who would come in and ask them to hold a Tupac CD for him and then he would never buy it because he was homeless. It's like that, where it's just like you, you've committed to this, but you haven't paid me. And a guy did that to me the other day where it was a $30 tape. It's a pretty rare tape and $30 is a reasonable price for this particular tape, in my opinion. And he, he ordered it, and he waited a couple of days and didn't pay. And, I, and you know, I said, hey, uh, just so you know, I have this set aside for you. That's uh, my passive-aggressive way of saying pay, pay. And then he, he finally gets back to me, I think, the next day or something, and he says, I'll give you 15 for it. I said, this isn't a negotiation. This is not a negotiation. And there's a big difference between, I mean... Offering $15 for a $30 item when that's already a decent deal on this particular item, in my opinion, that's an insult. So what I did, I immediately canceled the order because you can cancel it and then it gives you the option of buyer's request. So I canceled it at the buyer's request because that's what that was to me. That was him saying he's not going to pay me the $30 he owes me. So I'm canceling it. You're going to offer me $15, like basically close to what I paid for it probably. You know, maybe that's double what I paid for it. I don't know. But still, $15 for an extremely rare tape that came out 14 years ago. That's an insult, and I'm not going to haggle with you. I'm not going to counter offer with 25 or 20 You either pay me $30 or go the fuck away. And then I looked, and sure enough, this well, what's funny is I canceled it at the buyer's request, and then he sent me a message, and he's like, I didn't want it canceled. And it's like, well, you communicated to me that you did. You communicated to me that you wanted to be a jerk-off. You wanted to be a jerk-off. And so you deal with people like that. And then guess what? I looked at his feedback. The last two you know, feedback comments he's gotten are negative for not paying. So this is a a pattern of behavior. Someone was like, I waited four days and he never paid. Someone else said, I waited a week and he never paid. Guess what? He wasn't going to pay me either. And him offering $15 for an item that he already committed. Because you can make an offer on there. It gives you the option. If he wanted to pay $15 for it, message me first. Send me a message and say, hey, would you take $15 for your $30 tape? Or make an offer. But to... He committed to buying it and then made a lowball offer. You know, that unacceptable. And so you deal with people like that. You know, I've had another guy trying to give me a, a little too low of an offer for another item. But he's been nice, you know, and, he, and at least he didn't commit to purchasing it and then send me the lowball offer. At least he's just trying to get a lowball offer just on its own. But then the thing is too, like another guy that who's ordered a bunch from me, 
He's already ordered a bunch of stuff for me from me and paid me. He wanted half off on a very expensive couple items, and I gave it to him. You know, I'm not greedy about that stuff. Like, if somebody's already proven to me they're cool and reliable, and they've already ordered a bunch of stuff from me, well, that's like a bulk discount and a trust discount. Like, if somebody buys a bunch of stuff from you, and they already establish trust with you, and they're friendly and cool... Well, those are the people you give a discount to. Those are the people you give half off to. And there's also a difference between cutting $120 down to 60 opposed to cutting 30 down to 15 Yeah, in both cases, we're talking about half, but there's a big difference psychologically between those numbers. I'm probably not going to get $120. And so getting $60 now for something makes sense. But going from 30 to 15, there's something, it's just, there's a psychological difference, even though we're talking about half in both cases. I understand this is all disgusting. I'm not a businessman. But I recognize, you know, I have friends who do this all the time. I have friends who practically live on websites like Discogs, live off of, live on. Do you live off or live on? Both. Now, I know people who are involved in this all the time, and it's cool. I mean, it's a good service. I'm realizing how easy it is. It makes me wish that I bought a lot more earlier on. It makes me wish that I bought a lot more items years ago that I didn't, that I didn't care about because it amazes me what's worth money now and what's not. But anyway, I just had to vent a little bit because these people who will purchase something from you and then try to negotiate the price, like you already committed to purchasing that for that price. You shouldn't have added it to your cart. You should have messaged me. You should have made an offer. Don't add it to your cart and then try to give me less money for it. There's a way of doing things and that's not it. You know, so you just you become aware of this stuff. But I look back at years past. It's like I'm not I don't hate these people for doing it. But I mean, I realized that with eBay, too. It's one of the <laughs> this is good. I realized that with e- eBay, too. I realized it with eBay, too, uh, where it's kind of it's strange to me, like a phenomenon that's very strange on eBay is when somebody puts a bid in right before the item ends and then doesn't pay. Well, does it doesn't pay right away. Like you'd think that if they were bidding right before the item ends, they would be right there to pay quickly. But I've I've noticed this a couple times where somebody puts a bid in at the last minute and wins and then they take a 2 or 3 days to pay you. Like you'd think if they were hovering there as the item ended, they would also be ready to pay, but they're not. Just little things, little things like that that I'm paying attention to since I'm so focused on this right now. But enough about that. I won't, I won't give you any more of this like pseudo businessman shit. But that stuff, it is on my mind today where I'm just realizing. And I'm just thinking a lot about egos. You know, my own ego, I always have to keep in check because it'll get out of control real quick. My deadly sin is pride. And I have to be careful about that. But I also see where, like, you know, when other people's egos manifest, you just it, it comes out in subtle ways. And I think it's, it's one of the byproducts of 
when everybody is doing something, like when everybody has something, when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, you hear that phrase. And the reason why that's even an issue is because everybody has an ego. When everybody's a chef, everybody has an ego. And so they all want to feel like they're a vital part of whatever it is they're doing. They all want to put their own spin on it. I've dealt with that with people. I've worked with people before where it's not about them. Like they're just facilitating something, but they feel the need to put their spin on it. Like if you've ever been in a work meeting, you know, just in college and in school, there were participation points where you had to earn your participation credit. And you do that by saying empty headed things. You make empty comments just to make the professor note that you said something because that's all you're doing and that's all they want. Your professor isn't sitting there going like, you know, he participated, but it really, what he said was stupid. What he said, what he said was stupid. You know, the professor's not evaluating the quality of what you say. They're simply evaluating whether or not you say anything. That's what participation points are, as I'm sure everybody knows. But that happens at work too. Like at work meetings, you notice that if everybody who's invited to a meet, like if everybody's in a meeting together, the people in that meeting were generally chosen for specific reasons. And you'll notice that sometimes people say things in, I mean, I think this describes the entirety of work meetings, depending on the industry you're in, where people just start, set, they start proposing ideas and making suggestions just to get their participation credit at work. And it's like, this isn't a classroom. You don't have to do that. Yeah, you want to show your boss if they're there that you're engaged. If you're a vital part of a project, you want to communicate that you're engaged. But you don't need to throw out empty-headed ideas just to show that you're participating. You don't actually get participation credits at work. Maybe some jobs, but for the most part, it's like that has no value. And I've noticed that at work meetings where because someone is there, because they have been told that you are a chef, and this is a meeting of the chefs, this is a meeting of the cooks, and we're all in the kitchen... People feel like they have to add their two cents in. Well, what if we did this? Well, what if we what if we did it this way? Like people will just throw things out that they that you know they're completely uninvested in and everybody else is completely uninvested in it, but they think they have to get their participation points, so they end up throwing out some terrible idea. And the worst thing too is that people then discuss it. You know, so much of meetings, you know, and this is to the point of parody where everybody's aware of this and it's continually mocked today, but so many work meetings are just that stretched out over an hour. Like we have to fill this time. Oh, we, we set up this meeting to last an hour. So we have to talk about something, even though the, the entirety of what the, you know, the core of the meeting could be handled the core, the core of that discussion could be handled in 10 minutes. But you have to fill that time. You have to prove your worth. You have to gain your participation points. So you have to say something. And, and a lot of people don't like to feel like they're involved in something passively. Like I've noticed this with the, you know, not, not that I'm some uh, 
famous musician, musician. But you know, like working with record labels, even small record labels and that type of thing, it always blows my mind how sometimes the person running the label needs to add their two cents or put their spin on it when they when it's completely unnecessary. Like it's not like I view them as just, oh, you're just paying the money to produce this thing that I made. I don't see them that way. I see them as a collaborator when I've worked with a label. But it's interesting to me, like they know that, for example, when I've done things for them, like I'm gonna do the artwork. I would prefer to do the the design. I'm gonna hand I'm basically I'm gonna hand you a finished product. And if you like what I do, you will simply make that happen. And I will be incredibly grateful. It's not like I'm entitled. But what what my idea is, is a visual and a sonic package that I the sonic package that I that I already have pretty well visualized in my mind. And if you want to if you want to do your own little design, that's one thing. But like I think about this guy that I worked with and he's a it adds a whole other level to it if the person is a artist themselves, which I prefer not, honestly, because that's where you eat like someone who runs a record label and is and is an artist. Well, their ego is operating on two fronts now. And with this guy that I worked with, he's an artist and he's he's pretty well established in a certain niche field. And like he wanted to have this back and forth conversation and he was drunk half the time too, which didn't help. But everything, he wanted to have this back and forth conversation and I wanted to work with him. He had made an offer to work with him and I was happy to work with him. But he wanted to go back and forth. And he's like, what if we did this? And he was like trying to kind of like, he wanted to put his spin on it. And then what ended up happening is we wasted all this time because he, he, at the end he was just like, well, how about if you just do it? And I was like, yeah, that's what I wanted the entire time. I have a finished product. It's all ready to go. The artwork is done. And we did this song and dance for the last month where like every night you were messaging me and wanting to have some discussion. Like we were having some kind of work meeting where you wanted to put your spin. And what's funny about that too is there ended up being an issue with the artwork on that where like there was an issue with the printer and he tried to blame me. Like he had given me an email address to send it to. He's like, send when you're when you're when the artwork is ready, when the files are ready, send them this to this email address. And then like a few days later, he was like, actually send the send them to this other email address. Send them through Dropbox, whatever it was. And then when there ended up being a, a misprint on the artwork, which had nothing to do with my files. It had nothing to do with anything I did. I knew exactly what I was doing. He tried to tell me, it's, it's because you sent it to the first email address. You sent it to the first email address that I gave you. Oh, you're telling me that I sent the files to the email address you told me to send them to? And then a week later, you told me to send them somewhere else? And it's my problem that... A printing error happened that had nothing to do with my files, nothing to do with anything I did. Tried to blame me for it. I'm not going to name him. Not that it matters. Not that I don't know if anybody who listened to this would know. But it's like the level of ego that was involved in this was just completely out of hand. Like he wanted to give his take and, and put his own spin on everything. 
And then what ended up happening was just we did exactly what I would have done more or less if he had just said, send me what you got. But he wanted to he wanted to be a cook. And you know and that works for him in other ways. I'm not even talking shit about him because I think that works out for him in other ways. But it was very telling to me when he tried to blame me. And I didn't have it. I wanted at that point I was already committed to the it coming out. Like it was the release was done. So I was already committed to that happening. So I wasn't gonna fan the flames and be like, wait a second, you're blaming me. But he could tell he knew he fucked up right away. He he instantly knew that he fucked up when he blamed me. Because I'm not going to take responsibility for something I didn't do. I will gladly take responsibility for something I did. But I will not take responsibility for something I didn't do. And to watch this guy's spine quiver. That was worth it. Because he knew he fucked up. And then, and then what's funny too is he like later he was like, you want to do something else for me? It's like, no, I don't. You tried to blame me. And he didn't, and what's funny too is he didn't fix the error. I'm not going to say what it was because I don't want to ruin anybody's vision if they happen to own this release on the off chance they do. I don't want to give anybody the inside scoop on what this error was. To this day, it pisses me off, but he wouldn't even correct the error. He's like, oh, well, we owe money to the printer. And so he did this as like a favor to us. So we can't, uh, we can't get it fixed. Great. You blame me and you can't even fix the error because you owe money to the printer for something else. And he's doing you a favor. You're just, you're great to work with. They gave me all my copies. They didn't rip me off. But little things like that speak volumes to me. Little things like that speak volumes. And then like, and then later he's like, do you want to do something with us again? Do you want to do this? I was thinking we'd do this. And it's like, no, I don't want to do anything with you. Your ego is out of control. Mine is too, which makes it an even bigger problem. You blamed an error on me. And then you wouldn't even fix the error. Anyway, what got me going on that was just the fact that like he really, he wanted to be so hands-on when he didn't need to be. Like if you know what I do, you know that I'm hands-on. You know that I'm hands-on. I'm going to put it together. And it's not that I don't want you to be involved. You can be involved, but it's going to end up feeling like a work meeting where you're just volunteering stuff for participation points because you don't like the feeling of being a passive participant. But you know what? There's a time and a place to be a passive participant. And if you're a cook, if you're someone who likes to be hands-on, if you micromanage a lot, which I do, those moments where you just go, you know what? I'm just going to be passive are beautiful. If you can learn to allow yourself to do that, and it's something I've had to learn how to do over time, I don't do it creatively, but I will do it in other parts of my life where I just say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to free up some energy by not having to make decisions, by not having to come up with things to say or do. It's extremely liberating to learn how to do that. And I guess I'm biased too, because there's a guy, he released several vinyl records by me when I was younger, 
It's all about me, man. Um, no, but he released several vinyl LPs by me, and I will name him Pat Yankee. Just such a dream to work with. Such a dream to work with. Older guy, like by, by older, I mean older than I am. He has a family now. He allowed me to put together the artwork. He never, he never threw out any suggestions. And you know what? Honestly, I would have listened to him too. Because I think he did mention a couple things. I think he did like suggest, he made like practical suggestions that made sense. Like, like what if we, what if we print the artwork separately and glue it on to the LP? I was like, sure, let's do that. Like he made, he made practical suggestions like that, but he didn't try to get involved in the process of like me putting it together because he knew that I drew the artwork I have a, a vision for the design, which is going to be minimal. And I recorded the music. So it's like, it's one of those things where he knew that I had that covered. And that's why he wanted to do it, because he liked what I was doing, which is, I think, an important component to this stuff. And you realize that a lot of people who release music, even in niche under underground circles, they don't even like what they're releasing. They're just looking to like tap into the market. And they're not even doing it to be cool either. It's just that they're trying to kind of like hit this groove. I don't even know, since I'm, I'm not one of those people, I can't tell you exactly what goes on in their mind. But it's like, if you like what someone's doing, you want to facilitate that. You're not looking to add your own spin to it. And that's this guy Pat was so great because it was just, he knew that I had an idea for what I wanted to do. And he made that happen. And when he made a suggestion, it was a practical suggestion related to the the functionality of the release, to the presentation of the release, something that involved the production, which makes complete sense. And so I think that that greatly biased me where I'm like, and then too, it's like he was, he, he didn't charge very much money for his releases, which I agree with. I don't like it when record labels charge too much for a brand new release that they've done. I understand they want to make their money back. I understand all that. But I don't like it when labels charge too much for their new release. So the fact that he didn't charge much, that he gave me free reign to handle the design, the artwork, and the music, and then just made practical suggestions, you know, it made him a wonder to work with. And there's a reason why I did three albums on his label, because it was just the way to go. And I have so much respect for him as a human being and somebody who invested in my creativity as nobody else has. I mean, you think about somebody who makes, even though there are these limited run underground records, somebody who's willing to invest in you to that degree, that's more investment in me than anybody else has ever given, except for maybe my mom, you know, who bought me art supplies when I was, you know, growing up and everything. So it's like, aside from that, just a guy who's willing to spend that amount of money, you know, another friend of mine too is invested too in a similar way. But just at that point in my life, to have just some guy who lives in another state invest in what I was doing in that way speaks, you know, so much. And uh, to also not try to meddle, because that's what I've found. Like, and even people I like, even people who aren't like this other guy with the ego issues and the blaming because that guy, I don't even hate the guy. Like actually, you know, there's something I like about him, but I just saw exactly where his character rests. 
where he wanted to meddle, and then he blamed me when his own meddling is probably the reason why there was a fuck-up. I can tell you it wasn't me. But anyway, uh, you know, it's just, it's meddling. I think that, that was a word I was looking for earlier. It's meddling. Where sometimes people feel that in order to be acknowledged, in order to have their contributions acknowledged, they have to do a little bit of meddling. And sometimes your contributions will, will actually be fully appreciated because you're not doing any meddling. Sometimes you will actually be appreciated more and acknowledged more if you don't try to throw your spin on it. And people miss out on that. Sometimes it's by not doing anything that you will be more appreciated. Like I know going back to a work meeting, I've been in work meetings before where there's somebody there who doesn't say anything. They're just sitting there listening and that speaks volumes. They might communicate when it's t- completely necessary related to their role. But I've been in meetings before where people are just spinning their wheels, throwing out suggestions that you know, you know as they're saying it, that we will never do that. That the company will never even consider doing that. So why are we going to spend the next half hour discussing all the finer points of it? Yeah, sometimes as an exercise, it's good to entertain ideas. But sometimes somebody has an idea that you just know will never come to be. And it's going to be a complete waste of time to even think about it, let alone talk about it. And when that's going on and you see people caught in that web of a pointless idea that they think they need to talk about to prove their worth... That person who's sitting off to the side saying nothing becomes a genius. They become a genius. They do. They become a genie. Sometimes all it takes to be a genie, a genie S, is to say nothing. And I need to take that to heart. You know, I need to take that to heart um, because I say too much. Getting a lot off my chest here. It feels good feels really good I'm just very well aware of people who waste time I'm very well aware of people who waste time people who make orders and don't pay you people who throw lowball offers after they've already committed to paying people who want to help you release your music or your art and then try to tell you how to do your art And then blame you when they mess up. And then have the balls to then say, you want to work together again? But uh, you got to look for the people, though, who do things right. And sometimes that's because of what they don't do. Like talking about that guy who released those records for me back in the day. He did a whole lot. He put a lot of effort and time into making those records happen. But it's also what he didn't do, which was he didn't try to meddle. He didn't try to tell me what to do. He didn't blame me for anything. And there was even an issue. I remember one of the records we released, he sent me a box of records and the covers were damaged from the mail. 
Like the, the box of records had obviously been thrown on the ground by the mailman. The mailman. And as a result, like the corners of all of them were smashed in in a way that was horrible to the point where I wouldn't want to sell them. And I let him know and we talked about it and at his own cost, he had new ones made. But, you know, I I feel that was the right thing to do, but I don't take it for granted either. He didn't try to blame me. He didn't try to blame the mailman. He didn't try to say like, oh, that's just what happens. The mailman did it. I don't have any responsibility. He took responsibility unto himself to replace the covers for me because as an artist, my royalty copies were essentially ruined. And I can just imagine what that other guy I was talking about would have done. I can promise you he would not have replaced them. And he probably would have found a way to blame me and the mailman. So just it's funny how these different personalities, how different character manifests in these situations, these small little ways. It's like none of this is grandiose. We're talking about a very niche subject. We're talking about a a very niche field of interest. And even in that, though, somebody's integrity, somebody's sense of responsibility comes out. Selling shit on Discogs. You get a very distinct feeling for people's integrity. And when somebody communicates integrity to you, that is so valuable. It opens everything up. It, it widens the range of possibilities. Somebody who already communicated integrity to me wanted a deal on something, so I gave it to him. Somebody who has no integrity wanted a deal on something. I said, get away, get away, just get away, get away, get away, get away. You know? Of course, I'm finding the moral lesson on Discogs, but that's where you're going to find it. If you don't think that these things play out in everything you're doing, they do. They play out in underground music. They play out on online marketplaces. You know, it's not like you have to be me and be like, oh, everything's a lesson. Everything's a learning lesson. But, you know, that's a part of it. I'm paying close attention. I want to learn. You know, I really do. I want to learn about how things work. And I've learned a lot about the human ego, which I I need to do because mine is so out of control at times that I want to learn about other people's as well. And I even think about people I love, people I care about, and like seeing when their ego, when you notice their ego coming out, especially when you've never seen it before. Sometimes all it is is you you make a suggestion and you see it. Their ego comes out with teeth, sharp teeth. And it's a good reminder that everybody's got one. And you should never trick yourself into thinking you don't have one, but you should really never trick yourself into thinking that everyone you know doesn't have one.
This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can